0: You are listening to the sermon podcast of Connection Church, a gospel-centered community on a mission to make much of Jesus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. For more information, visit SiouxFallsConnection.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be continuing our journey in Matthew. um, So we'll be in Matthew chapter 13. So Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. The Bible is split up into two major sections, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Um, Don't be afraid of the table of contents. We often say if this is the first time you've opened the Bible, if this is the millionth time you've opened the Bible, there are treasures in here for both of us. And so we want to open the Bible on a regular basis with one another as we dive into it. So Matthew's the first of the Gospels that is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And we really believe that who God is and what he has done is in Christ is good news to us. That we who were desperately wicked can be reconciled to the Father by the sacrifice of his one and only Son. And it's something that we, we don't earn, but it's something that is truly a gift to us that we apprehend by faith not earn. And up to this point in the book of Matthew, he's been introducing us to Jesus by introducing us some pretty cool things, namely his miraculous birth and, and some acts of healing even, and then some teaching. We saw some of that in um, chapter 5 in, in the Sermon of the Mount. And this week, or last week, we started a teaching discourse called Parables. Parables. And a few weeks back, Pastor Jonathan led us through um, what it means to be even a disciple, but this week we're going to be in the book of Matthew where he begins to tell parables. Last week we saw a parable of the sower, that is, God spreads good seed, that is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and and it's received in different ways. Ultimately there's the, the ways that it's received, some falls on the rocky ground, some falls in, in the thorns where it's swallowed up, some falls on the path, and some falls on good soil. And if last week, the parable last week, we saw that the proclamation of the kingdom meets resistance, this week we're going to find out that even when the proclamation is effective, the enemy will want to subvert it by planting bad fruit in the master's garden. And as we dig into this, we're, I, I want us to see three main things, and I'll put them on the screen, and I'll give you the cheat sheet before we even go. One, the already but not yet of the kingdom. Two, the surprising growth and impact of the kingdom. And three, the hope that we have in the return of Christ. The already but not yet of the kingdom the surprising growth and impact of the kingdom, and the hope that we have in the return of Christ. These parables that you'll hear, um, including last week's, this week's, and some that will go forward, are going to be what, what are we call kingdom parables. They're going to teach us about who God is and what his kingdom is like. And so we'll find one here in Matthew 13. We're going to begin reading um, in verse 24 all the way through 43. I'll give you a quick warning. Um, my favorite time to mess up reading is in front of a lot of people, and so show me grace. I wasn't born in this country. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. I, my wife said, "Just practice the reading out loud," and I did a lot. So, disclaimer. Also, second disclaimer: We're going to read a lot of the Bible today. Um, so we're going to be back, We're going to go to Daniel. We're going to go to Ezekiel. We're going go to Revelation. We're going to be all over the place because. Matthew really loves the Bible, and so we're going to follow him through it in this passage. So, starting in verse 24 of chapter 13, the parable of the weeds. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain... Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of all the, the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told him another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without parable, without a parable. This was to fulfill the What was spoken by the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. We really believe that this is God's word to his people. And so I want to walk us through what's happening here. Jesus tells us a parable ultimately about what it looks like for the kingdom to come and what will come to pass at the end of time When Jesus comes back to judge everything. So Jesus first tells us a parable, ultimately about what the kingdom will look like, and what it'll look like when Jesus comes back to judge everything. It's really important to remember that Matthew is writing to the Jewish people at the time, and so for them, reading this would have actually been really shocking. Did you hear what Jesus said? The master will spread seed, the good news of the kingdom, but Apparently, the enemy will sneak in to plant bad seed. The kingdom will come, but not like they expected. Well, what did they expect? This comes from something they would have read in the Old Testament. Um, So I want to go back to Daniel chapter 2. You can follow me there, but I want to read it to you. It's a story that starts with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he has a dream, and it freaks him out. And he calls up all the witches and the diviners and all the sorcerers, and he tells them that, or asks them to interpret his dream, and if they couldn't, he's going to kill them. So there you go, crash course, 30 verses. Then Daniel comes along, so he doesn't kill the sorcerers and everybody, uh, because Daniel comes along to interpret the dream. So starting in verse 31. He's gonna tell them tell them what the dream was. First of all, creepy. He's gonna tell them what the dream was, and then he's gonna interpret it. So he says, "You saw, O king, and behold, this is verse thirty-one of Daniel chapter two. A great image, this image mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold; its chest and arms were of silver. In the midst." or in the middle and the thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut by no human hands, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold all together went were broken in pieces, and because, like the chaff of the summer, thresh- summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So there's this image of a statue, it sounds like, with a head of gold, um, chest and arms of silver, leg, or thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and then feet of iron and clay mixed And the king of Nebuchadnezzar is freaking out. What does that mean? And so Daniel explains it to him. Verse 36. This was the dream. Now we will tell you, we will tell the king its interpretation. I love that. He says we. It's just Daniel there. So you know who that probably is. We will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hands he has given whatever they dwell, whatever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. So first he butters them up. He's like, by the way, you are the king right now who rules over everything. And then he explains all the different kingdoms that those different types of metals represent, including him being the gold head. But then... He goes on in verse 44 and says, And in the days of all those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever, just as you saw that the stone was cut from a mountain by no human hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. A great God has made known to the, uh, known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is, true, is sure. Did you hear what the original listeners would have heard? The kingdom that is coming will wipe away every other kingdom. The kingdom that that God's going to bring to them seems to be one of destruction physically and immediately. Do you remember back in chapter 11 when John the Baptist questioned Jesus? And he said, Jesus, are you who you really say that you are? This is why. After all, he's in prison about to be beheaded. When is your kingdom coming? Have you seen what's going on? He wanted quick results. Destroy them. Set me free. These circumstances stink. They wanted an immediate fix to the problems surrounding them. And Jesus tells them that this might be a slow process. But did you hear Daniel's encouragement? The kingdom will endure forever. The first thing that I want us to see in this parable um, is that we will live, those who believe will live amongst the evil in this world. The kingdom will produce good seed, wheat, in this parable. This would have been um, those who faithfully received Jesus, so this is representing believers. So if you're a believer in the room, you are the wheat But those who believe will live in a world marred and affected by sin, evil, and death. The enemy will apparently plant bad fruit in the garden amongst the good fruit. And it says that while they were sleeping, this isn't to draw attention to the negligence of the master's servants here. It's to draw attention to the deceitfulness and sneakiness of the enemy. And so he's going to sneak in and he's going to plant bad fruit amongst the good fruit. The bad seed here would have been um, a grain that when it immediately sprouts, it actually just looks like wheat. But then as it grows, it's exposed as a weed. And a lot of commentators don't particularly agree on, um, on this point, but some say that this bad seed represents counterfeit believers. People that say that they love Jesus, but they really don't. Deep inside, deep inside they really want what, what's really best for them and not what's best for the kingdom. Others say that it's at least referring to non-believers. Either way, those who trust and follow Jesus and are changed by the gospel will live in the middle of this. But did you hear the encouragement? Not forever. Not forever. This isn't the end. The servants asked the master if they should go and pull the weeds. And what's the master's response? No, leave them, grow with them. Here's what I want us to see here. It is not our job to eradicate evil from this world. It is our job to tell the world of the one who will. It is not our job to go pull all the weeds. Although spring is coming, uh, this is, don't take this out of context. Pull your weeds in your garden. But in the context of this parable, we are not the ones that are supposed to do this. God is. Share the good news of the kingdom. The book of Matthew ends with a great commission. Go, tell, be, make disciples. Of who? This, I think. Share the good news. And at harvest, when Jesus comes back, those who belong will end up in the barn and those who don't will end up burned. We're going to come back to this. Um, because Jesus explains it later, so I'm not going to try to do it better than he does. Um, But we're going to come back to this idea of what happens when Jesus comes back in his explanation. See, we live in an already but not yet. The kingdom is at hand indeed. Jesus says this multiple times. The kingdom is at hand. But we long for the day when Jesus comes back to make all things new and wipe every tear from our eyes. And we can rest in the fact that he promises to do so. This won't last forever. Then he goes on to tell two more parables, one involving a mustard seed and some leavened bread, in order to illustrate um, even more what the kingdom will be like. So first he talks about a mustard seed. Um, Here's what I think we'll see in the parable of the mustard seed. It'll come up in a second. The kingdom of God will grow much to our surprise and will be a place where all come to find shelter. The kingdom of God will grow much to our surprise and it will be somewhere where people of all nations, everyone is welcome to come find shelter. He says that though insignificantly small, just like a mustard seed, the kingdom will grow. Here's the encouragement. You and I are living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Maybe you just needed to hear that as an encouragement. Welcome. But if I were to apply it to this, as you look at your life and the circumstances surrounding it, have you found yourself thinking maybe like these original listeners, where's your kingdom? And I want you to stop and realize how far away we are From where this parable was told, we are oceans and continents away from where this parable was told when he said the kingdom will grow. This is a callback to Ezekiel, and I want to read it to you, and I'll put it on the screen as well. I'll give this one a sec. Wow, that was quick. All right. Thus says the Lord God, I will, make, I will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one. I myself will plant it on a high, lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will, plant, will I plant it, that it might bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it the Lord will apparently plant a tree and it will be fruitful and it will provide shelter and it will be a noble tree and all will come to find shelter beneath it. And I want to take a moment to explicitly share the gospel with you. Jesus became the tender twig planted and lifted high so that we might find shelter. Jesus Was a tender twig broken for you and for me, so that we can stand at the foot of the cross and find shelter. Do you hear it? He's the one that became tender. He was broken for you and I, was lifted high on a tree, so that we might find shelter beneath the cross. If you're uh, in this room and you're not a believer, um, I'm really glad that you're here because I believe this is an encouragement and an an, an invitation. I want to draw specific attention to the birds here. The birds seeking shelter in these trees are a powerful picture as birds represent Gentiles coming to Israel to seek shelter. And the tree that will result of this mustard seed is going to do what? It's going to provide shelter for the birds. Apparently, this kingdom will be one where all are welcome and invited to find shelter. Even the Gentiles, especially the Gentiles, the people that don't believe. Then he tells the story of the leaven. Uh, your translation might say yeast, Same thing, the the parable of the mustard seed, if that's a picture of the growing of the kingdom, then I believe uh, the leaven is a picture of the surprising impact of the kingdom. So the kingdom is compared to a small amount of yeast touching, in this case, three measures of flour. Think 60 pounds. Imagine the KitchenAid mixer. Huge. 60 pounds of flour and just a little bit of leaven until it is all transformed. Everything that the kingdom touches is transformed. Everything. There is not a single thing that the kingdom touches that is not transformed. I wish I could come up with a better analogy, and I just can't. This is why Jesus is much better at this. The first thing that came to mind is like anything that you would say uh, the following, a little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. The moment you add a little bit, it transforms the entire thing. For me, a little bit of beard oil goes a long way. So stop dousing it. Let it breathe, men. A little bit of beard oil goes a long way. Apparently, it is so with the good news of the kingdom. The gospel changes everything. I believe this is also an invitation. What part of your life does the gospel have yet to touch and transform? We might be coming in here with a ton of conditions. I'll follow Jesus as long as he doesn't touch this part of my life. I'll follow him as long as he stays away from blank. What's in the blank for you? Is it finances? Is it browsing history? Is it your job, your success, your loneliness, your marriage, your relationships? What's in the blank? The thing that we don't want infiltrated by the mercy of Jesus in his kingdom is getting in the way of us experiencing this kind of transformation. The things that we do not want the mercy of Jesus to touch are the things that are keeping us from experiencing this kind of transformation. And it's not too late. Invite him in. Ask the Spirit with boldness. And watch what happens. Everything that is touched by the kingdom is transformed. Nothing remains the same. Did you hear it in 11? Just a little bit. In a giant thing of flour, changes everything. It is so with the kingdom. Then we move on, and he, he prophesies why Jesus is telling parables. Matthew loves the Old Testament, so he stops to remind us of something that he remembers reading. Um, after all, Matthew's goal, remember, is for us to see Jesus as the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. And so that's why we've alluded a couple times already to the Old Testament. It's because Matthew wants us to see, hey, this Jesus is the guy. This is the guy we've been talking about for a long time. We've been reading about, we've been praying for, we've been expecting. So he takes us back again, just in case you're still wondering what, why Jesus is doing what he's doing. And he says, all, thing, all these things Jesus said um, to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he did nothing to the, he said nothing to them without parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So he's communicating one thing that I think is really important. Every detail of Jesus' life is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Um, even the way he's going to talk to us, and that's kind of mind-blowing. It's like, Yes, even the very details of Jesus were already prophesied way before we, we were even alive. But here's the, here's the thing he wants us to really see, because he's quoting Psalm 78. Um, and here's what I want, to see from, want us to see that, G, that Matthew wants us to see from Psalm 78. Jesus is the king promised to break the cycle of Israel's rebellion. So let me take you back He's quoting Psalm 78. It is a psalm where the writer wants to remind his people of what's been going on up to that point. Namely, that God is faithful to Israel, his people. Israel, his people disobey him, their disobedience, God's judgment, forgiveness, and love, and then Israel's continued rebellion. He's saying, This has been the pattern. Oh, what a pattern. That God would create us. We would rebel against him. He would save us. We would rebel against him. He would save us. And then we would rebel against him. And then he would save us. And forgive us. So this is what Asaph in Psalm 78 is trying to communicate and remind the people. And then it ends like this. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep. So the picture is, there's, the rebelling keeps happening the, the picture' is Lord went to sleep. Apparently he wakes up, and like a man shouting because of wine, and he put his adversaries to rout, He put them to everlasting shame. He subjected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tri- He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. So he's rejecting the tribes. He's not choosing the tribes, but he chose the tribe of Judah. Mount Zion, well, where he lo- which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance, with, upright, with an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Did you hear the solution to Israel's rebellion? God chose a leader, David, to guide and shepherd his people. And what is that pointing to? On this side of the cross, we know that it's pointing to a better shepherd. The son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, the awaited king. Matthew brings us all the way back to Psalm 78 to remind us of a king that the Lord will bring up to shepherd his people. And it was a very dissatisfying king if you read the story of King David, isn't it? But it's meant to point to a king that the Lord will bring to break the cycle of rebellion. The one who will perfectly obey the father. He's saying, remember the parable Asaph told? It's about Jesus and the way he will shepherd and guide his people. And that's what he wants us to see when he harks back to Psalm 78. Why is Jesus telling parables? And then we move to Jesus' explanation of the parable of the weeds. It brings us to his explanation. He goes through and describes each piece of the parable and what it's pointing to, and ultimately he told a parable about a harvest, a harvest that is coming. That harvest is when Jesus returns to judge. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan warned us that some of these parables might get dark. Well, here we go. The idea of Jesus coming back and It looking like the harvest is spoken of from the book of Revelation. And I want to read it to you. You can go there with me. It's going to be Revelation chapter 14. Starting in verse 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who was sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, And he, too, had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's brittle for 1,600 stadia. Jesus will come back, and he will judge everything And I want us to hear the warning from this parable and from Revelation. Those apart from knowing God and trusting in Jesus will experience eternal separation from him. And if I read the parable right, the weeds might even look like the wheat. That would mean that nominal Christians and pagan devil worshipers have the same fate. That means that nominal Christians, people who call themselves believers but simply don't trust Jesus, and the sons of the evil one, have the same fate. Friend, weep. Ask for mercy. (laughs) Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have loved ones that don't know Jesus? Weep. Pray for them. The harvest is coming. Because apart from the saving work of Christ, we are utterly hopeless. He says that the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the wheat are gathered and burned with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weep. But did you notice the word after that? Then. Man, I'm glad that then is there. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So after reading of this reaping that will happen, and you find yourself thinking of your loved ones and How they don't know jesus pray for them share the gospel with them tell them of the one who wants to rid the world of all this brokenness and put your hope in the lord that he will transform them he will do it maybe you're sitting here and maybe it's not your friends or loved ones that you're thinking of but it's yourself you don't know if you're going to heaven with the lord I want to encourage you. For those who have seen and beheld the glory of Jesus, Jesus who was crucified, buried, dead, no, for real, dead, dead, and rose victoriously on the third day, we now have assurance. We don't have to wonder if we belong to the Lord or not because as sure as the resurrection, so sure we will be with him in heaven. And when he comes back he's going to gather you and I who believe into his barn. He will come back and he's going to wipe away those tears. And he's going to gather you to his his hu- his house and we're going to worship and praise him forever. Be encouraged by that. And pray, ask for that every day until he comes back. Let's pray together. God, we come before you as the only way from death to life. We need you. Oh, God, how we need you in your grace and mercy. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to trust in the good news that we find in the kingdom. We cry out that we believe. Help our unbelief. Jesus you are the king who comes who has come to bring the kingdom to us and that one day will return to make all things new where there will be no evil we long for that day Jesus there's hope there's people in this room that don't have the hope of this good news grant them faith to believe Jesus as sure as your resurrection we know you will do wondrous things even in this room today. In your holy name we pray, amen.